Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking at a transition story in chapter 19 that uh, probably is a more familiar children's story that we, we talk about a lot. In fact, there's a little song that has been sung about this because we're going to talk about a man who was in transition. And I kind of like his name. It kind of has a good ring to it. His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was definitely a man in transition. And I shared with you in the first week that uh, these three words, these three T words, trouble, tension, transition, these are the times of our lives that we are most poised to make a significant, hear me, significant spiritual decision. When these things press in on us, and they don't all happen at at one time, uh, every time in our life, but sometimes they all correlate and they come into uh, transition with us and they align to this tension and this pressing that happens. And so when we look at the scriptures today, I want you to see not only Zacchaeus, but I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about your family. What have you been walking through? What have you been dealing with over the last few months? In Luke chapter 19, I want to read 10 verses. Typically, I don't read that many verses, but I think we need the context of the story, uh, the story of, of this man who was seeking out to see Jesus. It says in verse 1, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a certain man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Let's stop right there for a moment, because I want you to know that in the first century, the tax collectors were the people who were recruited for, from the Roman government, and sometimes amongst the, the people in the area, the region, he likely was a Jewish person, but was recruited by the Roman government, which really made him a sold out of his people. He was kind of a turncoat on his own people. The deal with the Roman government was if you want to be a tax collector, they will tell you how much taxes that they require to be levied. And then as the collector, you can add whatever percentage you think that you can get above and beyond that for yourself. You can keep that for yourself. So if a tax collector came to you in the first century and they said, you owe me 30% tax, you don't know whether the, the Roman government was asking for 10% and they were keeping the 20 or the Roman government wanted 25 and they were keeping the five. It really was a, a hidden secret, but nonetheless, because of the authority of the Roman government, you had to pay that tax, whatever that they asked for. So there was a, a big area of extortion and uh, unrighteousness, you could say, that was happening with tax collectors. And the Bible says that he was a pretty good one because it says he was rich, Verse three, and he sought, he looked for, he sought, he looked out for an opportunity to see Jesus, who he was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, listen, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when he saw it, when they, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, "He has gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner." Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, "Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold." And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to your house, because this is also a son of Abraham." For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. So this great uh, story, and it says a certain man, Zacchaeus. So this is a real story. This isn't a parable that maybe was real, but but maybe it was more for an illustration. This was a real-life man, Zacchaeus, who climbed up into a real-life tree, and he saw for himself a glimpse of 
the real life Jesus, walking on earth, God in flesh, walking on earth. And Zacchaeus was definitely a man in transition because he was leaving a life of sin. He was leaving a life of cheating and extortion and deceit, and he was moving into a brand new uncharted territory of his life, which was going to be one of honesty, decency, and fidelity. You know, fidelity is one of our core values and vision here at New Freedom Church. We are going to be faithful, or fidelity means faithfulness. We're going to be faithful to the word of God. We're going to be faithful to preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to be faithful to honoring one another, and we're going to be faithful in our relationships with one another. And this man was, was a little bit fed up, I guess you would say, with his usual life. He was fed up with his shabby living, with his loose lifestyle, with always having to look over his shoulder for the other shoe to drop. Was somebody after him tomorrow, going to be after him tomorrow because of what he has done today? And many of us find ourselves in a place of transition today. We find ourselves not really sure about what the new life is going to look like in the next months ahead or as time unfolds or as things start to develop with an election year or what it looks like before a vaccine comes out to a hidden, a, an invisible enemy. And we find ourselves in flux. And from this brief story, there are a few things that we can learn, I, I believe, to successfully transition from one season of life to the next season of life. The first thing is that we recognize when it's the right time to change. The next thing is you position yourself to have the right outlook for change. And the last is that you resolve to do right or to act right during this change. But let's look at the first one. It's the right time. Timing, it said, is everything. In life, timing is so vital. A comedian can stand up on a stage and can deliver a joke and no one laughs unless the punchline is timed just exactly right, either to catch you by surprise or to walk you into that place where you finally get the aha of the joke and the punchline comes timely to make you laugh. The day trader who is trading stocks is able to time the market when it's the right time to buy and the right time to sell. Timing is everything. The championship coach that is is watching the clock knows how to control the time on the clock. And the timing is just right when he says, get the ball into the hand of the star on my team. And that is the person who will lead us to victory. And Zacchaeus was a man of right time. He was a man of timing. He had heard about this Jesus And many of us have been talking about Jesus all of our lives. We've been talked to about Jesus all of our lives. And Zacchaeus had heard the reports about Jesus, and he was just a little bit curious. He had just a little bit of a curiosity about this person. And he said, I want to get into the crowd, beyond the crowd, get up in the tree, and I want to find out for myself, who is this person, Jesus? And he seized his opportunity. He sees the right time to do the thing that only could be done in that moment. You see, verse 3 tells us that he sought, which means that he desired it, he sought it out, he went after it hard, he sought to see Jesus. Now, he had some obstacles that he had to overcome in order to get to the position and place of being able to see Jesus. He had to overcome the crowd He had to overcome his height barrier. He had to get up into a tree. And for a grown man to climb into a tree in this day and age would be really pretty idiotic. This wouldn't be something that a dignified, respectable Roman official who's a tax collector would do. But he had a desire to see Jesus. And he seized 
the moment, the right time to do the right thing. You see, for Zacchaeus, this was a now or never kind of a moment. Jesus may have never been coming past this way again. He had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And there are some things right now in your time of transition that you may never have the opportunity to ever do again. I've talked to people that during this shutdown time that we've just recently come through, they have taken an opportunity to read a book that they never had time to read. They seize the moment. They have taken time to journal or write some things that they had really just been too busy to do before. They have taken an opportunity to educate themselves in something that they've always been curious about but never had the time to do before. They've taken the opportunity to get to know their family again and to get around the dinner table and to spend some time, some quality time because this time may never ever be allotted to us Again, timing is absolutely everything. I'll never forget a story that my mentor told me while he was serving as a a fire chaplain on the fire department in Richmond, Indiana, many years ago. He said he was on his way to work one day, and he passed a man on a bench, and this, this little beat in his heart started to flutter because he felt as though he should witness to this guy. He felt as though he should just stop and engage him. And talk to him about Christ. And he said, you know, that that passing moment comes and then it goes. And if you put it off, you can easily just walk on by. And this was me that day. He said, I I just walked on by. I I went about my business. I said hello and I just waved. And I felt like, I'll I'll do it another time. He went on to the station. He said about three hours later, the tone dropped on the bell. There was an emergency. And they went out to this apartment. And they walked into this apartment. And he said, laying there on the floor, dead from a heart attack, was the very man three hours earlier that he was prompted to pray for. He was prompted to witness to. He said, now I don't ever know now what the eternal destiny of that guy is. I don't know if someone else came along and and they were obedient and they talked to him, but I felt like I had the opportunity. And he said, when I looked at that man on that floor, it caused me to vow to myself and to my God that I will never ever again pass up an opportunity to witness for my savior when the call to witness comes. Timing is absolutely vital. The Greek language has two words for time. The first one is chronos, which is chronological or sequential time. This is the kind of time that we would have as like the hours of a day or the the minutes that make up an hour or the seconds that make up a minute. And this is kind of static. It kind of just goes on along. But there's another word in the Greek that's used for time, and it's kairos. Many of you have heard of the the word kairos because this is God time. This is an opportune time. This is critical or what we would say as the right time. This is the opportune moment to do what only can be done in that moment. And kairos is dynamic. Kairos is moving. Kairos time comes and then it goes, and it never gets revisited again. And here's the thing you have to understand about these two types of time. Kronos time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years. You cannot possibly miss Kronos time. Every second is clicking along. You're living in it. You're living through it. You're on the other side of it. Minutes come. Minutes turn into hours. Hours turn into days. Days turn into months. And months turn into years. You cannot miss out on Kronos time. It is happening all of your life. Kronos time just comes and goes. You can't possibly miss it. But now Kairos, the dynamic time, the God time, the opportune time, you can absolutely miss out on a Kronos moment in your life. 
You can absolutely miss that God-appointed, God-ordained moment in your life. And Zacchaeus was at this strategic inflection point in his transition. He had the opportunity to choose. Do I go beyond the crowd? Do I climb up into the tree? Or do I just sit back and just wait? Maybe I'll sit back and be at the back of the crowd and Jesus will will maybe go into somewhere and eat and I can go and talk to him later. I have another chance, another opportunity. No, he didn't wait until tomorrow to do what he knew that he should do today. See, procrastination tells us you'll have another chance. You'll have another opportunity. But what does the word of God tell us? That no man is promised tomorrow, but that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of decision. Today is the day that we look for those opportune moments. God, what are you speaking to me in this time? God, is this a chronos moment? Is this an opportune time for you to position me to make the right time and the right outlook? And that's what I want to talk about next is the right outlook. Verse four says, he ran ahead, climbed a tree so that he could see him. How determined are you really? to see Jesus. Now, for those of you who are in this room or maybe are watching live online right now, you're pretty determined because you clicked on, you, you got out of bed, you got in your car, you, you came to this location. So there's a, a level of determination, but we can have all of that just like we do at work and go through the motions. We can just punch the clock nine to five, Monday through Friday, collect a check. We can just come to church, go through the motions, do the, do the right things. But if we don't have the right outlook on why we're doing what we're doing, then we can miss the whole point of the matter. How determined are you to see Jesus? And sometimes while in the midst of transition, you must just run ahead. Walking will not work. You must run ahead like Zacchaeus of the crowd. You must get a higher vantage point, a better perspective to see what you've never seen. Sometimes you need to climb up and see things from a different vantage point. Because if you're always in the game, if you're always just in the rigors of life, then you cannot see the, the field from your vantage point. That's why I love going to, to sporting events and seeing how everything is set up. It, it kind of reminds me of, of all the trappings of what it takes to make a Sunday service go on. I mean, it, many people that have never been involved in, in serving on a Sunday morning think that all this stuff all just comes together, like the angels turn on the cameras and the lighting and the, the heat and everything, all that, air conditioning, everything just comes together. No, it takes planning. It takes strategic planning. People have to put things together. And when you go to a sporting event, it's interesting. I love uh, the football season around here. It's, it's wonderful to hear over a loudspeaker at a high school football game, the announcers. And you look up in there in the press box and you can see that even at the high school level, there is a level of strategy that they've already pre-thought through. And the technology exists that there can be people of coaches up in the booth that are radioing down into the coaches on the field because the coach with the higher vantage point up on the booth will see a blocking assignment that was missed from there that the coach on the field will never ever see. And certainly the player who missed that block, they know that something happened because the guy has scored on them, but they didn't know that they were blindsided by the other guy and he keeps on doing it again and again. And it takes a higher vantage point for someone to say, make sure you take care of your blind side. Somebody's back over there going to knock you out again because they want to score. And there is a blind side that each and every one of us have in our life. Who do we have around us for accountability? Who do we have around us that is speaking into our life to help us to see what we can't see? Getting us a better vantage point. In transition, the crowd, as you look at this, can be for us, if we apply this, 
The crowd can be our family and friends. And they may not be the best indicators to help you through transition. They definitely want the best for you. They definitely want you to succeed. They definitely want you to excel. But it doesn't say here that Zacchaeus ever consulted his family. It doesn't say that he ever asked the crowd, is it okay if I just get in the front of the line? No, he didn't ask anybody. He went on ahead and ran beyond the crowd because he realized these people around this crowd, most of them anyway, didn't like him because he was a tax collector, first of all. We don't even know if he had any family, but he wasn't content just to get the, the normal advice of the people in his circle. Though they mean well, many times they mean to tell you things that will protect you, things that will keep you safe, things that will be secure. But there is a risk when it comes to serving God. There are some things we have to step out and do by faith. Transition will require risk. You can just write that down. Transition will require risk. Therefore, you need to consult somebody who is not emotionally involved with the decision. They say it like this. Go talk to somebody who don't have a dog in the fight. Go talk to somebody who can give you a level-headed, sound approach and advice when you're in the time of transition. And this is, this is vitally important. You have to hear this. Sometimes what looks or feels like a step back, sometimes what would, by the world standards, be translated as a demotion is actually positioning you during transition for an advancement. Let me, let me say it like this. I'm going to give you a few dates. 1976, two young men, in their garage in California, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak developed a computer program and software because they wanted to take computing to a whole new level. And they actually developed what we know as the Macintosh computer, the first Apple device. 1985, Steve Jobs being the big idea guy, neither one of these guys really knew how to run a business, but they both had wonderful technology and, and computing and they had a, a real bent for that. They hired an outsider, uh, someone who was a CEO of a, a major company in America to run their business. But in 1985, Steve Jobs actually ended up being fired from the very company that he co-founded. He says of, uh, in his biography that, that he was so high on himself. He was such a man of pride and, and he had uh, you know, just, just all this hubris that he really couldn't take the advice of outsiders and so he was fired. In 1997, so 1976, 1985, in 1997, through a turn of events, Steve Jobs was hired back to work at Apple once again. He had gone out during those 12 years and founded his own company. He had made millions and millions of dollars. He was greatly successful, but there was just something that was still unfinished at Apple. And so in 1997, he got hired back at Apple. And he began as the CEO, again, of the company which he founded. And so he started developing new technologies. And in 2007... A technology, so 10 years after he was hired back, a technology that he pioneered, had been thinking about for many, many years, hit the market, and it has changed computing. It has changed, really, the way that we communicate. It has changed society as we know it. We are in a major digital revolution, whether you realize it or not, ever since the early 70s until today, but in 2007, 
the very first iPhone debuted on the market. Many of you have one in your pocket right now. You have a better computing device in your pocket right now than the first space shuttle had when we sent it up into the orbit of the atmosphere. All because one person had a dream and a desire to press on even through times of firing, even through times of demotion, even through times of setback, he persisted because he had the right outlook. Now, oftentimes we miss the key of surrender because it looks like failure. And I'm not here to to, uh, allegorize the the great person that, that Steve Jobs was because I really don't know him as an individual, but I do know that he had a tenacity about his work ethic and about the vision that God had certainly placed upon his heart. There was, there was a development up, upon this technology that was placed there. I don't believe it was a natural transition. But when viewed through spiritual eyes, surrender actually is not throwing in the towel. When we're in transition, sometimes a demotion or a step back can, can look as failure. No, it actually, when we surrender to the transition that God is taking us through, like Zacchaeus was in this transition, it is not throwing in the towel, but rather it's picking up the towel the towel of a servant. For 10 years, Steve Jobs was in a wilderness of his work life. Yeah, he did some things and and he made millions of dollars, but he really was not satisfied until he was back at the helm of the company that God had called him to. And we see in the scriptures that Jesus willingly surrendered to the death of the cross, which looked from the outside world and the eyes of many as a defeat. All hell was having a party when Jesus was on that cross, breathing his last breath, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And when he said, it is finished, it certainly was finished. The old covenant had been completed and the new covenant was beginning. And what looked like a defeat had become our victory because when he rose on that third day with the keys in his hand of death, hell, and the grave, and he said, because I live now, you shall live. The resurrected Christ is resurrecting us. And because he lives, we have hope of eternal life and resurrection in the new creation. Can I get an amen? It was actually not Jesus' defeat. It was hell's defeat, and it was our victory. Why? Because it just took the right outlook. Zacchaeus was willing, hear me, to give up a good paying job, a high status title in his society, the respect of the Roman government. He was willing to give up political clout and authority, all for the opportunity to see Jesus. What are you willing to give up in time of transition just to see Jesus. The price is high, but the rewards are great. And Zacchaeus had the right actions. I'm gonna close with right actions. Verse eight says this, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. This was the changed heart of a repentant man who recognized that it was time to have right actions 
because God had done something wonderful on the inside of him. God had started this eternal life change on the inside of Zacchaeus, and he decided to go way above the law, way beyond what the law required was just to give restitution of, of a quarter. He said, I'll, I'll give half to the poor. And he said, even beyond that, I'll restore fourfold if I've taken from anybody. You see, he wanted to do things the right way. If I could encourage you to do anything in your time of transition is do things the right way. Have right actions because the way you leave one season is exactly how you'll enter into the next season. Do people right. Do that school right. Do that company right. Do those people right. Never burn a bridge in a time of transition for you never know when you might want to travel back across there. And in a time of transition, you have a Kairos decision to make because you have an opportune moment. Just brief, it's closing, it's short, but you have a Kairos decision to do right. To do right. To do right even to those who talk bad about you. To do right even to those who have been bad to you. To do right even to those who have misunderstood you. To do right to those who were good to you, to do right to those who blessed you, to do right to those who honored you. Transition is tough. Transition is uncomfortable, but choose wisely in transition. Do right, because if you leave well, then you enter well. Psalm 37 and one says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Many times we want people to, to have the repayment right away. Now, the, the psalmist says, don't fret, don't worry about those who are evil and don't be envious about those who do wrong. What's he say in verse three? Trust, somebody say that with me, trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. What are we to do? Good. Do good. If we trust in the Lord, we're gonna do good. That's right actions. That's right perspective. That's right outlook. When we trust in God, we do good. Luke 19 and 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. See, God restored him to his rightful spiritual heritage. And when you transition well, when you see things at the right way, you, you get in the right timing, you, you seize that, that Kairos moment, then salvation comes because God wants to restore to you your fortunes, which is he was a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. With heads bowed and eyes closed and, and just you praying before God, I just wonder today, how many of you may be in transition spiritually? Maybe your life is, is really pretty static. Maybe you feel like there's a Kronos moment where it's just kind of static right now, but you're spiritually in transition and you want to leave that former life and come into a brand new life with God. The word of God makes it as easy as ABC. First, you have to admit that you cannot fix your spiritual problems on your own. You have to believe, B, you have to believe that what God said he did through Jesus on the cross is for you. And three, you have to commit your life to him. A, B, C, it's that easy. If that's you today and you just need to take that moment to seize your kairos with God, then I wanna ask you to pray this prayer after me. 
I want to ask everybody in this room to pray with me to encourage maybe somebody else who's beside you that needs to pray. You say this, dear God in heaven, I come to you today just the way I am, a sinner. I need a savior. I repent of my sin. I turn my back on my old life. Like Zacchaeus, I climb high to get a new look to see Jesus. I seek Jesus today. Jesus, I accept you as my savior and I make you my Lord and I'll serve you from this day on as you show me how. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we believe that you're born again. We would love to give you some resources. We have a, a free book for you that we'd love to give you that tell you about your first steps and how that you can uh, transition well from the life which you've lived to the life which God has for you, which is an abundant life. And this is an exciting moment for you. And if you would just email me, uh, reach out to us, maybe click right there online if you're watching us and let us know that you made that decision. We would love to get in touch with you.